Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip focuses on diversity and inclusion with organizational and human capital development expert Alexander Fischera. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Philip. We are back with another episode of the Ask Philip podcast. I have a guest, Alex Fischera. Did I get that right? Fischera, right? Man, you said you said it better than most people say it. So, what, what, what's the what's the background of the name? Like, where where the name come from? It's a uh, Sicilian name. There's a uh, it's it's technically for a uh, a tree in the Isle of Sicily for a fig tree, and uh, so that's where it comes from. We've got the, some deep roots from the northeast back in there. So okay, um, that's uh, that's where it comes from. And you're CEO of the Intuito Group. Did I say that yes, right? Sir. I think I might have missed yes, it. Yes, sir. That is it. Intuito Group. Now, now you got to tell me what does Intuito mean? Because I know that means something. You didn't just pick that name off Google. No, no, it's uh, yeah, I know, right? Because th- those are easy to do this day, but everybody's been snatching up good names, so you kind of have to get outside it. And, and it took some time. I've had it for a while. So intuito is that uh, that that Latin form of uh, intuition. And uh, when when I when I sort of look at um, well, any any good business owners, leaders, or even myself intuition is something you have to work towards. You have to, you have to build intuition, fail a lot, succeed a lot, listen a whole lot. And that intuition is that sort of that sixth sense uh, that we have that, uh, you know, when I work with companies, it's, uh, it's quite helpful, you know, to call things out when you see them, you know, if you're hearing it and you feel it, that intuition kicks in because you've been there before and you know, something just needs to be spoken to. You speak to it, and usually everybody's like, "Oh, yeah," and, and, you know. It's like uh, it's like raising a hand and asking a question. Everybody's like, "Oh, I had that same question too." It's like, "Yeah, okay, yeah,", yeah. but one of us said it, yeah. you know. And uh, so, Intuito kind of speaks to that sixth sense that we all have to speak up when we feel it and we know it to be true. That's that pattern matching the in, the internal algorithm that we all have yes. once we get fed enough data. Let's roll into it. Hey, and listen, the topic of this the 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 theme of the podcast for the listeners is we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion and yeah. uh and if you can't see because we don't we don't do video but you'll see the you'll see the clip alex is actually not uh african-american or hispanic or what you think would be the typical right. diversity inclusion training but <laughs> but he does it and, and listen this is why yeah. i think it's important this is why i think it's important because for years diversity and inclusion has been taught by you know like you know a minority and uh, mm-hmm. and it you know we we've made progress, but I find sometimes I I use the example of like you know when I've had to check you know my my male friends or maybe some stuff that might offend women, right? It mm-hmm. it comes better for me as a man correcting them on stuff that I've grown to understand than if it were yes. a woman saying it. And so I feel the same way about diversity inclusion. I was like, hey man, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm glad that uh, we have other folks out here that are able to communicate and spread the message 
Um, I know. If you're going to have a topic about diversity and inclusion, but yet have none in the topic or have none <laughs> in the conversation, it's like, well, wait a second here. So, no, uh, when we linked up on this topic, I, w- I was really excited. And uh, it, I mean, that's a passion for me to, to be in this area anyways. And as we get into it, you'll see it. It's, um, I mean, it's not one of those, you know, diversity and inclusion is not one of those things you can just like a light switch turn on and off. You got to be vigilant about growing in that sort of way. So it's not a a one-time deal. What do you think is needed to really have diversity inclusion at, at the at the highest level? And let, and let me let me give like an example, right? So if you think of if you think of like the Vista, uh, which is like one of the best performing private equity funds out there, or if you think of Zoom, right, who has like mm-hmm. who has like a all female, you know, for the most part executive team, and the guy that leads it is 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 from China. I mean, you have all these amazing companies that. Don't even think about diversity. They just do it. So you have the yeah. example of it, um, but some people it's still not permeating. You know, people still playing lip service to it. What What do you think really needs to happen for it to happen? For it to you know achieve where it needs to be to achieve at the highest level? Isn't it interesting? Like we we see lots of examples out there of just robust, diverse workplace environments, but then we also get those those ones that you're just like wow, that's really far behind. Like, that's not even close. The numbers don't even look right. And you're sort of scratching your head and makes you wonder like, okay, well, what needs to change? That's a great question. Um, And, you know, for me, what I see is really an overall approach to to viewing um, diversity and inclusion. I I think as, uh, as, as, Thing, as the world has changed, dynamics have changed, our, our, our sort of thinking has to change a little bit with it. We can't still have sort of static thinking in a dynamic world. Um, you know, the, de- the definitions, the language we use, the, the, the order of things has to sort of keep on pace with, with, with as the world is shifting. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough. My, my background is really in culture, um, anthropology, business anthropology, traveled quite a bit. I've been able to see experience, um, place myself in groups and learn and listen. And so um, I've been able to see some of these changes and how healthy cultures organize and operate. Um, and their approach is really different. Um, and, and so those companies that are a little bit further along, um, you know, they, they've, uh, they've just, there were things that were already in place there for them. And there were things that those people came, you know, into it with already. So their transition wasn't really that tough to begin with in a lot of ways. Um, but nevertheless, they still, it's like, um, they don't get complacent in their ways about it. So I would say a different approach altogether. And, you know, the order of diversity and inclusion, I think sometimes gets a, gets it backwards that, um, you know, it's diversity before inclusion. But I think we sometimes miss that if we don't build a culture or an environment of inclusion, then we'll never allow that diversity to, to come in and permeate throughout, um, the organization or throughout our communities. Um, I think we get fixed on diversity as being a very sort of, a race or a gender. And we forget that you've got, I mean, look right now, you've got diversity of political views, religion, thoughts, experiences, backgrounds. I mean, diversity is a, is a very large and broad topic, um, complex to a certain degree. And if, 
if we kind of come at it with, oh, it's a simple thing that we just sort of train and, you know, come at, you know, we call it like pit stop learning. Like every once in a while we'll go and we'll train it and then we'll stop and then we'll come back and we'll do it again. Well, what in anyone's life have you, you know, trained for a small amount of time and then let it go and then go back to it. I mean, how much gains can you really make on anything like that? (laughs) So um, I think, you know, we need bold leadership that, you know, you, you'll make time for things that are priorities. Um, I, I don't think diversity and inclusion is really um, is really seen a lot of times as a strategic priority. I mean, at the top, you know, we want to think like growing sales or, or, you know, customer service is priorities. But all that stuff for me kind of comes, um, you know, below. It's, it's a sort of submission of this greater one of you get all those benefits when you place diversity within your organization. The culture is, is diverse. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think you get all those benefits if you make it a priority and you're vigilant, you're staying at it every day because, you know, you could fall back into this sort of other way of doing things if you're not really sort of keeping an eye on it. So I think the approach is one that we need to, we need to mature in our approach of how we view it, but also hopefully we get a chance to talk about how you actually train it. You know, how do you, how do you develop it? Well, and, and that's, that's more of the answer that I'm, that I'm really looking for is, you know, yeah. is, is the how, right? Cause yeah. you know, I think you hit some good points. It's kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know what the equivalent would be, but it's kind of like compliance, right? Mm-hmm. Mike decided it's not it's not something that you put in your goal planning compliance. It's just like oh, we just have to do it. So I feel like diversity inclusion is oh yeah, we just got to check this box so that we don't look like bad people, you know. But but <laughs> yeah. you know, but 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 I mean, it, you, and if you think about it, let's let's look at the and I know this because I'm African American, so I don't know any of the numbers. But if you looked at the popul how much money African Americans in the U.S. spend. It's something like we're the tenth or eleventh largest country, and as, as far as like dollars, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and and so and so so you see that happen, and then you see the rise of people like Beyonce and Magic Johnson and <laughs> and, and and Oprah and all the people with with money and, and and corporations. Like Beyonce sat down at the table. Who was that? Who wanted who wanted them to do a deal with her? It was I don't I don't want to. It was some other shoe company. And they wanted her to have a shoe with her, and she sat down, and nobody at the table was black, right? And 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 I'm like, yeah, she got up and left. And then with Adidas, they yeah. had a black lead there, and she did business. And they're like, I'm like, how did you not understand it? Like, if I'm sitting at the table with somebody, and you want to access, you know, my demographic, and you don't have anybody here who understands my demographic, okay, yeah, this is not going to go well, you know. Oh, and yeah. they, and they lost tons of money from doing that, so. Yeah, you see that all the time. It's just it, it it's I see it too, but I, I know someone uh, you know, um, you know, on the on the sort of minority side when they look at it, they're sort of scratching their head like you don't look around and see this, like how obvious can this really <laughs> be right here? Like yeah. but and, and that's the man, that's the hard thing to deal with. And and it even has got it's got some more subtle levels than that. I mean, you'll even find some people that will um, assume all African Americans are the same, and mm-hmm. so they'll even disrespect a lot of people at the table by just saying, "Well, you know, they'll placate to it, and they don't understand that." No, we, you know, we're diverse too. You know, mm-hmm. you know, all his, you know, Hispanics and Latinos. We're seeing that now. They're not all just one sort of group. You, right? You, you, you got to keep working at this. To you know, we can talk about. You know, we get 
how to do it is less focused on the end result. I think everybody wants to get to the finish line, but they're not willing to really pave the steps or walk the route of, I mean, it takes a lot of listening and listening is a skill. And if you're not willing to really listen and grow your listening skills, you're going to miss quite a bit. And and I think that's where we get sort of sidetracked and it becomes this, this checkbox of, man, when we first spoke months ago, diversity and inclusion was hot. I mean, it was, everybody was searching and seeking. When was the last time you saw anything online about diversity and inclusion training or anything right now, right? It's yeah, like- yeah. Two-week buzz, like, two-week buzz, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It buzz. And so it, it kind of goes back to that pit stop learning where it's like, it's hot right now and then it drops off and we'll wait for something to pop up or somebody to trigger us back to say, oh yeah, did you forget about that? Um, we got to maintain some energy. Well, do you, know? do, do, do you think it's, and we might be getting a little off track, but do you think it's going to be, so I, I, it's, it's a really dope podcast I listen to now called the Acquired Podcast. And so they did a three hour episode of the NBA and they talked about in the beginning of the NBA, they intentionally said, when we do this, we don't want any black people involved. Like we don't want <laughs> black players, you know, and they, and they fought for years to keep them out until I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if Bill Russell was not the first black player, but. Um, he was the first like black superstar, and then once he yeah, came and won all them championships, yeah, yeah. And once he came and brought them championships, everybody's like, "Oh, we need a black player, right?" And then football <laughs> followed, right? And so, it, I, yeah. I I think it unfortunately in the country that we live in, it's gonna just take like more winners. You'd be like, "Cool, you're gonna keep losing money if you don't understand the game." Yeah, they don't. Well, yeah, I mean, they they didn't understand any of their demographics. They saw their, you know. Follow the money sometimes. When the money starts to go away, you'll see where people really lie. So what they ended up seeing was that, wait, we're not making the money we used to. What's the deal here? What source can we tap into? So was it money driven? Maybe, but hopefully it backed them into sort of seeing the real value of diversity. Yeah, and no, not just- human beings are simple. You're an anthropologist. You understand we're primitive beings. You know, <laughs> yeah. no nobody ever does. Yeah. It, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln did not free the slaves out of the goodness of his heart, right? Sure. He owned, he yeah. owned, he owned slaves. It, it it almost always boils down to money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as far as a as far as anthropology, now one on one individuals, you can change their heart. Sure, but at, but as a yeah. as a as a whole, as an ecosystem, and, and and I don't know, you might have better data, but I just no, think I it boils think down to the money. Working patterns, man. People work in patterns. <laughs> We're very. Um, we tell we tell people we we if you know if you're quiet enough to look and listen I do this sometimes I love it cuz you know I'll just go sit in a really big area of a lot of people walking around doing things and I'll just sit there and sit and just listen and just look people tell you so much about themselves if you're willing to just listen they'll tell you everything really um you don't you don't have to really ask a whole lot of questions or engage too much people people really show their cards quite a bit um, so <laughs> yeah, we, we're, you know, we are very intentional beings, um, even to the point of, you know, when you see, when you see people, you know, getting into that sort of, you know, comfort zone, hiring for comfort, you know, that, that, Hey, we're going to, we're going to bring in more people like us. I mean, that's, to me, that's like the biggest sort of red flag that you've got somebody leading out of fear because that's what we all do, um, as humans when, when we get in that that stress and that fear zone, the first thing we do is we go cling to something that's comfortable, right? We go into that area of comfort. You know, they they talk about a comfort blanket when you're when you're an infant, right? So when you're screaming and you're crying, what do you do? You need that that blanket of comfort. Um, so 
if you reverse the engineering, right? So if you're hiring people that make you feel comfortable because they look like you, talk like you, act like you, well, you're just operating out of a real fear of, of, of the sort of the unknown. So it's quite interesting to see it in play. It, um, but but is, isn't that the answer? I think you just hit on the answer. Isn't that the how-to is to help people? Like you just, yeah. you just, because everybody does that, white, black, Hispanic. You know, I was talking to a friend this morning and he was talking about, you know, wanting to create a, you know, black network of whatever. And I said, hey, man, I joined the B&I group because I needed more white relationships. Just straight up. You know what I'm saying? I need it. I need it. You know, I'm in my silo, right? The mm-hmm. world's getting more silo. I say, I just needed no more white people. You know, because there's a lot of money all over the place. I mean, that's just straight up. I was like, you know, and I say, because, you know, if you stay away from politics and religion, we all just like want to, we just want to be friends. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't think by nature people want to divide ourselves. Like, we want to find commonality, right? And so, um, and so I don't think a lot of, you know, it's it's uncomfortable. Uh, Initially, I think, unless you train yourself to be comfortable being uncomfortable, which is something that a mentor has me do. You're hitting on it right there. You got to get to that stretch zone. I mean, if you even look at, you know, I I sometimes, you know, my background of a, you know, I used to be a professional soccer player. So the body is really one of those things that that is kind of our own sort of biosensory sort of deal. And, uh, uh, you know, when you're when you're working out and you're trying to increase muscle, what you actually have to do is tear the muscle so that it'll grow back more. So you actually have to stretch yourself beyond certain limits if you really want to develop and grow beyond what you currently are. So like everything about the way our bodies work, the way just just sort of this human side of it is, we sometimes just sort of throw it to the side as though, oh, no, that's not really the way it is. And we, we get fixated into these sort of... Um, I don't, the, these sort of preconceived notions, these these biases, these things we just sort of let pile on, these conditionings. And over time, if, if we're not careful, they'll take over. I mean, they're there. They're sitting there. Um, I'm sure you know about uh, the implicit bias test that's out there. That's a, that's a great one uh, developed uh, over there. And, um, you know, all these sort of things, they lay below the surface. So, you know, we got to be vigilant, but the training of it, I mean, there, you know, there's, there's some things I think with the way that we approach training and developing diversity and inclusion, I think is counterintuitive to, to really creating a lot of it. Can I share a couple of those? With yes, you? please, please, please. So, cause I like, I'm a practical guy too. And I like how you want to get to the how and yeah, I'm with you. I want to get to the how too, right? Like we can talk about the theories and the concepts, but all right, how do we get down to this? How do we train? And that's where that, that sports background comes in is that ultimately at the end of the day, we got to train, right? We got to, we, you can acquire a whole lot of knowledge, but what we're missing is experience. And that we, that's where we have to sort of flip this thing. A lot of our, our trainings in our, in our organizations or, or you know, one-on-ones or whatever you do, is really like this, again, this pit stop learning, this, this every so often we'll bring it in. It's like, it's never really catching. So we have to look at delivering something over a period of time, enough for habits and real experiences to take hold and really start to shift the internal workings of the, of the individual. We have to sort of strip away some of the things that are already working there and replace it with some stuff. So, you know, we've got to get more to an an experience versus a knowledge-based learning. And I think that's what's great is you see that in the generation they'll shift too. I mean, the generations today are more experience-based versus knowledge. You got to have a good balance there. Um, I think we, we've got to use different, um, different techniques 
I think we're still doing the same old ways of doing things, you know, and, and, you know, we deliver, you know, these, these, these workshops and these large groups and here's a, you know, here's a, a piece of paper, you know, what does it show to you? Like the activities <laughs> are not engaging people on a different level. So, you know, we, we're just tapping into more just comfort level sort of neurons. It's not really changing much of anything. No one's getting stretched. So, you know, I do a lot of uh, role play, you know, and, and I leverage technology, digital role play, put people in the, the opportunity to work um, in these scenarios to, um, experience what someone on the other side is, let them step back and hear their own voice, um, say something. And sometimes you'll, they'll say, Whoa, did I? because when you, when you step them back for a little bit, they'll say, Oh, I made that choice. But now hearing somebody else say it, it doesn't sound really that good. And you're like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you got to give people some different ways of seeing themselves, um, you know, versus just playing the participant and put them in other people's shoes. Um, now that's tough too, because uh, the, the other thing I think we do is um, we choose the most difficult environment to actually train people in. Like, so if you recognize you need diversity and inclusion training, it just, it, it astounds me how our first thought is, well, let's bring a diversity and training consultant into our workplace, which we've already said is, has got issues we want to work on. We're going to bring everybody together where really we're going to look at the, you know, the, the people who are the diverse ones and sort of look at them as, oh, we're here because of you, right? <laughs> and, and, and somehow... We're going to give people strategies in the workplace and then expect them once they just leave to go try these strategies on. Like that's a whole lot of risk. Um, it's that's, that's risky, you know, on, on the company standards. Like you really want somebody practicing their diversity conversation right here, right now while we're working. Like, I'm not sure that's what you want. They, they just left that training. There's no way they are equipped after an hour to have the conversation they couldn't have an hour ago. Like there's no way. Right. And, and you know, they, uh, so we, we, we send them out there and, and it never really takes hold. Like, like no one's going to put their professional equity on the line and say, yeah, I'm going to go try that. I'm going to go try to talk to my, you know, my, my African-American, my Latino friend now and try to really understand them. Let's like, hold on now. So right. what I say is like, like sports, where's the practice environment? Where's the, the, in sports, you have like four or five days to try on new strategies, practice them in a safe environment, and then bring them into the game time. But our workplace, our workplace struggles to find that practice arena. That's why I like the digital side of things, because you can separate and you can train in this sort of very safe environment. You know, it's almost like a, an incubator. You train in it, you up your skill level, and then you're more equipped and confident to actually go out and do these things in game time versus somehow just, I don't know if that's making sense, but you know, there's just no practice environment. So um, everything's game time. So we got to remove, we got to create space for safe training, upskilling. Um, so is it kind of like scenarios you have like, yeah, you know, um, they're like looking at a training online and seeing scenarios of, of, of different examples and they have to respond in, in the, in the game or how, what do you mean by virtual? Yeah. Well, let me give you an example. So yeah, a whole bunch of, whether it's, you know, gender discrimination or racial discrimination or understanding compliance, you know, I've got this one scenario with this, with this guy, he's, he's like, your, and these scenarios are, they're just really 
they're they're so spot on. You know, he's a manager who oversees six other managers in the area, and all of his current man and he, he's he's a white guy, um, and all of his uh, managers are, are you know white men, and um, he's been you know there's an objective to the conversation is that we've got to hire new managers, and our HR department has given him a whole bunch of really qualified people, but none of them fit his comfort zone. None of them are white men mm. and sort of, and what, what you're getting it from you in the leader's uh, position, you're getting pushback from this guy on, but his reasoning is more on like, um, I feel like something's just being forced on me and you have to sort of get him to open up to see and, ex- and be aware that some of his biases are creating some of this Hmm. and that like and and, then you have choices that you have to make and really the objective is to get him to see that you know if you'd had no pictures or names what's the difference in experience do any of them lack experience and he'll be like oh no they don't so you get to play this role play with it and you get to really work in these these real life scenarios and again we we measure confidence and self-awareness you know back to what i was telling you about we kind of look towards the end game we we say okay i want i want to measure diversity well diversity and inclusion there's a whole bunch of skills um, that people can develop to become more diverse more inclusive things like communication conversational skills um uh, listening skills like, why don't we focus on upskilling people in their abilities so that they can have the capacity to be inclusive and the capacity to accept diversity. But we, I, again, I think our approach is, um, is a familiar one in our society of let's see how quick we can get to that finish line, uh, but not really look at the journey to get there and, and stay vigilant on that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think you also kind of hit, hit it on the nail and what you just said too. I think a lot of it is like the psychological, right? I think if you can, if you can get some, cause you know, you, I think you said like confidence, insecurity. You, in my thought, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, control freaks, you know, cause I think, <laughs> I think when people, when people feel like people who are diverse, you know, women, Hispanic, black, whatever, different religions, different whatever, get involved, they no longer have control because now they don't understand how they think and they have to, and, and you open yourself to a bit of, I don't want to say chaos because that's the wrong word, mm. but you, you, you're you going to have friction. I think friction is good because <laughs> if, if you look at, you know, any situation where, you, I mean, you use it, the muscle, you have to, it has to tear and grow. Like you need to have the friction to take the organization to the next level because without it, you become like dead. Like, you know, you're not going to get stronger. That's- so true. I coached, I coached a bunch of kids. Um, you know, I, I, and I love coaching. It's like one of my things I like to do on the side is to give back and serve and coach them. And, you know, the game has given me so much and has taught me so many lessons. That's, it's, it's why, you know, I'm able to really enjoy being in a space of learning to be more inclusive, right? I don't fear it. I lean into it. Um, but it was, I always said I was more worried about the kid who wouldn't say anything than the one, like if I took a kid off the field and he's, you know, upset and he's not going to sit down on the bench. He's going, good. It lets me know you're alive, that this matters to you, right? It's the one who's not doing anything, creating any friction. I don't know if this really matters to you or not. Like, (laughs) and if it doesn't matter to you, then you just stay sitting there. But the one who's creating a little bit of agitation, a little bit of friction, it's like, that's good. You're feeling something. And I I like seeing that. Do you feel like, and we kind of answered it, the, the world is 
serious about diversity inclusion, which we 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 kind of said, you know, like you said, when we said, when we said the interview, everybody was talking about it. Now nobody's talking about it. So I'm like, yeah, this is the same <laughs> lip service as before. Yes, yes, I, I I am quite hopeful. I do believe um, in one in one way, it's sort of the, whether they're interested or not, the world's moving that direction. So they, a lot of people can fight it, and that's fine. But um, you're going to be dragged along anyways. I just think that the the human the human nature itself needs needs that. I mean, just look at our ecosystems, right? Like we thrive in different diverse environments um, and we're able to. So, you know, the human experience excel itself is a very diverse um, and inclusive experience. So it's going that way anyways, um, you know, particularly to, to our society. I, I think we do. I think, I think it's easy to, to listen um, to a lot of wrong areas that that are projecting things. Um, so, you know, we've got to be careful about who we surround ourselves with. But um, um, a lot of times, because, you know, the, the messaging sometimes can be that it's not that way. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if, if you really look out there and you really, if, again, if you, you know, I tell people on, a lot of times, you, you can't, talk and listen at the same time. So right. if if you kind of stop talking for a second and just listen and look out there, you're going to see a very diverse world and every day it's getting more diverse. So I, I do, I totally see it going that way, but it doesn't move as fast for some people as they would like. So yeah. I, I also understand that too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm excited about it too. I was telling the buddy the other day, I, I was like, I was like, and I actually believe this is somewhat you know, have always been the case, but I'm like, man, when it comes down to a people, you know, I've I've met some people that are ideologically super far from from me. Like we only mm-hmm. connect on a on a uh, the way we think about business in the world, which is enough connection. I just I just need one connection. Are you a Saints fan? Do we think the same? Up like, yeah, give me yeah, one exactly. connection. Like, just give, me, just give me one thing. But once we're there we're good and we're connected and people don't really, you know, don't really care, um, care that much about, um, that deal. But, but it's taken, it's taking me years of honing skill. Just like, all right, cool. Yeah. This is, this is, this is an old white guy that's born in the South. And I'm pretty sure he used the N word multiple times as a kid, you know, probably even still now fine, you know, but if I can connect with him, then we can we can do some business, right? And it and it works. I mean, you know, because they 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 be like, oh yeah, you know, I may not like, you know, I might not like those African Americans on TV, but I like this guy, right? Know, because yeah, and you see examples everywhere. Yeah, of that. and your skill, I'll tell you what your skill is is exactly why you're doing what you're doing right now, and it's one that I, I couldn't speak more highly of is the conversational mastery because at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to conversation. It's going to come down to sitting down, like you just said, and speaking with this person, listening, asking questions, and getting to what you have in common. And and that's a skill in its own is to be able to have difficult conversations and be open to hearing and those sorts of things. So keep it going, man. Don't, don't, don't stop. No, man. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. So I've I've been asking some people about um, the mindset and the game plan that they've uh, created to run their business in COVID. So Mm. what have you done in COVID to keep building and growing your business? Yeah, COVID's COVID's a tough time for everybody. I, I really I really feel for for companies and businesses, and I, I know a lot of people were were hit hard and, and sort of shocked the system. You know what what I've shared with those I work with, I partner with, and I, I sort of 
internally in our own company, what we have to do is um, we lean into to, to these sorts of times. My experience tells me that the more resistance you put up, the more resistance you're still going to get back. And um, it's not to, to, I mean, yes, the details uh, of the pandemic, um, when you look at different um you know, people that have been affected, uh, groups, communities, I mean, it, it, you know, uh, the economics of it. Yeah, this is all. But we also have to step back and look that we're not going to be able to help anything if we sort of run away or look away or play the sort of um, the victim in this. And we have to lean in and see this as an opportunity versus something that's been done to us. And that's sort of like, you know, again, a, a personal ethos is that we, I call it the 50% rule, um, that you, you can control your response to something, right? We're best to put our time in, in, in what you can control versus what you can't control. And what you can control is how you respond to anything. Like, uh, like in sports, you know, a guy comes in, he tackles me and, you know, I get up and, you know, I get in his face and do something and I get the red card. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's never the first person who gets it. It's the one who responds in a way that the, you know, ends up getting the, the, the approach. So when, when COVID comes and basically slide tackles your business or your industry, right? Are you going to get up and get in its face and start yelling at it? Or are you going to, um, again, you know, have some restraint in your response and say, oh, wait, look at this. He just tackled me right outside of the box. Good. I'm going to put this one in the back of the net and then we're going to go up one nil. You know, it's like, that's the response. And there's a couple of other things I would really say that, that are helpful for me. And I, I think, again, practically, that they'll be helpful as one. One is the realization that you're, you're at where you're at with your business. There will be other hard times coming towards your business without a doubt. COVID is a tough time, but it isn't going to be the last. It isn't the first and it isn't the last tough time. So unfortunately, you are where you are in, in your ability to respond, but that doesn't mean that you can't be prepared for the next time. So seeing this as an opportunity and saying, ah, I will wake up. I will start to um, look at my business differently. I'll ask different questions. I'll play through different scenarios so that we are prepared. Good, because then the next time you will be prepared for it. So that, that that mindset is sometimes tough, but you you sort of, you know, it's like a kid for a test who doesn't study. It's like you're not going to be able to cram five minutes before and pass this thing. Like you, you got what you got. Just just take this thing. And then also understanding, you know, the the human side of things. You know, uh, I, I've been fortunate enough also to go and work with some people up at Yale to really understand. Um, emotion and stress neurologically and what it does actually to our to our faculties and what we find is that even the most moderate amount of stress on on the person uh, emotionally will hijack um the thinking process mm. and it cuts off what we call the, the prefrontal lobe now the prefrontal lobe for those that don't know i mean that's where all your rational decision making your emotional control um your everything you need to make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis comes from that part of your brain but when moderate emotion comes in and we we can't skillfully recognize it and find a way to calm ourselves down and use our bodies to calm ourselves down it hijacks it and so 
what's more emotional than COVID right now? You know, you're losing uh, employees that you that that you've loved and you've created families with. You're watching all this pain around. Loved ones are you know are getting sick. Um, it's natural for humans to be emotional, but it's also very natural for for humans to recognize that emotion, let the sort of mind settle itself before you advance and start making decisions. So I, I think being still sometimes that's not doing nothing. Sometimes people create say being still is doing nothing. I would make the suggestion that actually being still is doing something and, and perhaps the, the most beneficial thing sometimes. Yep. Yep. I have a good friend that says, uh, he, he, he got me ready for my first training camp for Muay Thai. And he would say, Hey, Philip, remember when emotions go up, I, IQ goes down. Remember that uh-huh. emotions go up, go. IQ goes down. I was like, all right, got it. Stay calm. Breathe. That's it. And our bodies are great. I bet your Muay Thai guy will tell you, he probably tells you about the value of breathing um, and mm-hmm. sort of uh, um, it's your own biofeedback. You're, you're, um, you know, you, when you get stressed, your body will let you know it. We all have different things, either your blood pressure raises or you get these feelings here and there. Um, but what your breathing actually does, it's like this transmitter that can actually send a message back to your brain. So if you can uh, learn breathing techniques and recognizing it, you actually can talk back to your brain and say, hey, I know you're a little emotional right now. Please calm down. And we can get better at that. That's a skill, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. La- last question. Who's your favorite football team? Ooh, I told you I was a professional soccer player. So usually when people ask me that, uh, I say, yeah. is that proper football proper, or American we're football? Talking about Amer- American football. We can do both. So we can do proper football and uh, American football. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to proper football. My, my team, Arsenal, out of London, um, went there as a, as a young lad. Um, and uh, and uh, that, that, that's, that's my squad, and I'm, I'm pretty crazy about that. Now, you caught me on a good week asking about football, right? Because I'm here in Texas, outside, right, in Dallas. Um so, and I've, I've lived here for about 20 years now, but my team is really not, it's, it's my team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. Um, they're, they're still Steelers. undefeated, right? Yeah. They're, they're having a good year this, you know, I try not to get, you know, too high on it because <laughs> it is a, a year and we, we haven't had some good ones, but, uh, you know, I grew up there. Uh, most of my family are like Patriots fans up there, so they don't like me too much either. So, <laughs> but, um, salt of the earth people and, uh, so when I came down to Dallas, I, w- I would say, you know, I, I've got a liking for the Cowboys, too. I, I kind of hated on them for a while, but over time you like them. And I said, well, you know, I- I'll definitely be a Cowboys supporter unless the Steelers are in town. And obviously I got to support the Steelers. And once you know it this weekend, it's Steelers Cowboys. So you got me on the air, uh, you know, right at that time. So, <laughs> hey, you know, I-, I was the reverse. I got here and tried to like the Cowboys. And the longer I'm here, the more I dislike the Cowboys. I just. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough, man. When 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 people bring you to that stadium and you get in there and you you know everybody is just putting the games on and going around there, it's like, oh man, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, they I, you over. But I, I, I watch them every week with my mother in law because I'm trying to be a good son in law, and and I definitely you know yeah. take her to some games or whatever, and we'll 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 do that, and I'll support the local economy. But yeah, I'm just you know I'm like I'm like, hey man, it's it's just I I just think the value in the I won't even go there. I just I just you know. Maybe twenty years from now, I'll be a fan of them when they have, um, <laughs> when, when, when they fix some things in the organization. So. Uh, there you go. I'm with you. We're in, in complete <laughs> agreement on that. The organizational running of it. I'm not so sure about it, but like yeah. you, I'm a I'm a good friend and a good Texan. Where I will support them uh, amongst others. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm that terrible towel crowd. 
Well, 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 I would definitely appreciate you sharing. Let, let everybody know where they can reach you and get more information about your company, your firm, your services. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, you can definitely look, uh, you know, Alex, Alexander Fischera, uh, you know, you can get me on any of the social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook, we're across that. Um, you can check us out online, intuitogroup.com. Um, you know, there, you know, we're in uh, organizational and human capital development. So, you know, people are our passion. We just like seeing people operate and work together at their best. Um, and that's what we do. We serve people. That's, that's what we do. We're, we're human serving humans. Um, and, and we enjoy doing it. So, um, but it's all about conversation. Don't be shy. I, I, I make time for everybody. Reach out to me. I will sit down with you. I will talk with you. And, uh, you know, we'll start with a conversation and let it go from there because that's how all things start with a conversation. And, and I, I need to start doing this better. Like, what's what's the ideal organization that, you know, somebody's listening and saying, I don't even know if I need the services. Like, what's a, what? where is a business in a stage of life where they think, where they, they might need to think about talking talking to your organization? Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. Well, um, Gosh, we work with all all companies, uh, really. Um, so I, I don't shy away. We kind of we kind of fit to wherever they're at. But a company will recognize if they need our help when they're just sort of, um, you know, they're they're finding themselves going to their comfort zone. They're just uh, they're in a repeated pattern, and uh, you know, they just need to shake things up a little bit. That doesn't mean they need to do anything, but it means that they need to have a conversation with somebody outside their own ecosystem. You know, it's like traveling. Sometimes you got to go explore a little bit. So I'd say right now is the perfect time. Um, go explore a little bit, go listen. And, uh, and, and you might be shocked uh, with finding out uh, what you may need or even better what your company's doing great. So that's always a win. Awesome. Awesome. I definitely appreciate you sharing and yes, uh, we will, I, I look forward to releasing this episode later on today. Great, man. I'm looking forward to it and sharing it out there, man. You keep doing your thing and uh, I appreciate you reaching out to me. You're doing a great job, man. Keep it up. So for the month of really end of September into October, I've been working with my team on building a five-day email series called Building Wealth After Age 37, What Smart Advisors Won't Say. And it's a five-day email course. The reason why I built it was there's so many people out here building investing courses and they cost thousands of dollars. And I've had a couple of friends and clients take the course and come out more confused than how they went into it. And they'd spent a thousand, two thousand bucks on it. And I know the people who are writing some of the courses and not a knock on them, but they don't have the experience and knowledge that a wealth manager has. And they definitely, at least some people, are taking the course thinking with an expectation of what they're going to get and they're not fully getting it. And so I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to build a course specifically for the people that want to know how to invest. They don't want to be a day trader, right? They don't want to look at charts all day or read the Wall Street Journal all day or do all this research. They just want to know, okay, how should I be investing to one day become financially free, reach my retirement goal, Right. I want to enjoy life. I'm good at what I do at work. I don't want to become a money manager. I want to know how to invest. I don't want to just rely on some financial advisor or wealth manager to tell me. They don't mind working with them, but they want to know, all right, what is the process? What should I be doing? How should I get educated? So when they, so if they work with a wealth manager or an advisor, they understand what's going on. Or if they don't want to work with one, they have a good plan in place or a good thought process in place or decision-making process in place to help them build a plan to help to potentially reach their goal. And so 
that's the course, Building Wealth After 37, What Smart Advisors Won't Say. I literally just took what I've learned over the 14 years, put it into a five-day email series, short and concise. But after the five-day series, you will have what you need to uh, build your plan or go talk with a uh, wealth manager and feel confident in the conversation. So check it out. If you go to StonehillWealthManagement.com, it's on the front page, StonehillWealthManagement.com. It's on the front page. Put in your name, email address, and it'll go to you. I won't be spamming you. You'll get the emails, and and then you'll also get the weekly podcast episodes uh, sent to you. So that's it. Check it out. Let me know your thoughts. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.